Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to Short Stuff, the shorter stuff version of Stuff You Should Know, starring uh, Chuck, Jerry, <laughs> and me, Josh. You get and third this billing? Is, this is Short Stuff. On Short Stuff I do, which is why I despise it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you doing well? I am doing well. I love talking science. I also love talking history, and yeah. I really love talking uh, hist sci, as it's called. And I love talking about um, undersung women in history and yeah, science. For sure, Chuck. And this ticks uh, all those boxes. And what's sad is you could have just said women in science. Yeah, because that's a good point. It, almost across the board, um, women in science are are undersung or completely unsung. Now, what about Mary Curie? She, I mean, she's <laughs> such an outlier. It's I crazy. Know. Yeah, because like that's the first name that pops into your head for a reason, right? And it's like, oh, oh, well, she must have been the only woman scientist in the in the world. No, that's not the case. Supposedly, there is a longstanding tradition in science of the men in science taking credit for the work of the women, uh, whether it's something as like outright fraudulent as like just basically taking someone's work and not giving them credit yeah, because you can get away with it because you're a man and the other person was a woman, or just not giving due credit. And over time, with history favoring men typically, uh, at least Western history, um, it, the 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 original person who who laid the foundation for it, the woman, um, will just kind of be lost to time. And this is what's called something uh, something called the Matilda effect. Yeah, and this is very evident in science. Uh, there's a couple of sort of horrifying um, statistics that they found here. Uh, one is that there was a scientific journal that changed their review process, you know, reviewing things. Are we going to publish it? Are we not? Right. And they switched theirs to Leave out the names of the author so you don't even know who it is, male mm-hmm. or female. And just doing that, uh, the acceptance rate for uh, women's uh, reports rose almost 8%. <laughs> and uh, then a study in 2013 showed that the abstracts, you know, when you uh, Google online and you read like the abstract of a science uh, science paper, it's like sort of like a summary, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, they were seen as uh, being of a higher quality if the author was male and wrote about things stereotypically you would think of as male subjects. Like physics or math or something? Yeah, and this is in 2013. Right. So it's clearly still going on. And like I said, also, it's a longstanding tradition. And um, it was kind of given this name, the Matilda effect, back in 1993 by an historian of science from Cornell named Margaret Rossiter. And she named it the Matilda effect after a woman named Matilda Jocelyn Gage, who was an abolitionist and suffragist. And she had written an essay in 1893 called Woman as an Inventor, which is basically like, it is straight up BS the way that women scientists are just being completely left out of history. She had a lot of foresight at the time um, and and called this out. And uh, it didn't really get anywhere with it, but at least documented it as far back as before the turn of the last century that this was a, a problem and an issue. And so this, this, um, this 100 years later, Margaret Rossiter kind of came up with this thing called the Matilda effect. And there's a lot a lot of instances in history. It's not sporadic. It's not, you know, kind of scattershot. Like, there are a lot of instances in history of women not getting due credit for the work that they did that um, established a field that um, created multiple fields 
um, or that their their work grew to be misunderstood and almost kind of scorned. And that last one in particular is very much embodied by a woman named Ellen Henrietta Swallow Richards. That's right. Uh, she was a woman who, um, she was the first woman accepted into a, a school of science, mm-hmm. which at the time, the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, was male only. And they said, we'll do a little test and see if this lady can handle MIT. Watch this. And she was like, great, I handled it. Um she was one of the first uh, female chemists in the U.S. Um, she, well, her, her largest contribution, I guess what she's remembered uh, most uh, for, is her contribution to domestic science, uh, a.k.a. home ec, which just saying that some people still might dismiss that as a soft science or non-science. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not true because that encompasses everything from uh, hygienic standards in the home to um, the you know the clothes we wear being safe and the food we eat being healthy mm-hmm. and uh, before she came along, not a lot of people were doing this and it took her going to Vassar College, um, which is it still an all female college? Vassar, I think, actually is. Yeah, is it? Uh, she got a degree in chemistry in 1870, and then that's when MIT said, "Let me just see if she can handle this." And she got a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry from there in 1873 and then immediately started working, like, studying pollution and sanitary uh, chemistry and things like that, which uh, not a lot of people were doing it at the time. No, she was almost the first, if not the first person to say, okay, we're all, like, eating food and drinking water and— has anybody stopped and asked, like, is the food we're eating and the water we're drinking healthy and, and pure? Is it toxic? Uh, what's the relation to um, pollution? What's the relation to industry? Um, she started asking questions. And then in addition to asking questions, she started doing research and study. And she came up with this field called oecology, O-E-K-ology. And it was the basis for what we recognize now as ecology or the study of the environment. Um, and she was the first one to, to, to think about this back in, I believe, the 1870s. Um, and it went along for five years. And MIT, by this time, she was a, um, a, a, an instructor at MIT. And MIT said, this sounds crackpot and whack. Stop talking about this. We, we, they literally forbade her to talk about oecology for a year. And so her... Her, this discipline that she launched lasted for all of five years, and just kind of frustrated by that, she turned her attention instead to home economics, which is basically taking this idea rather than studying like the water and the air and all of that, studying the um, the the results of the water and the air, like the food we put in and like the 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 surroundings we live in, um, and how they impact our health and how they can be made better. All right, we're going to take a break. And we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about she, uh, about how she managed to bring science into the household right after this. All right, so bringing science into the home environment was uh, very different uh, on the household level to do that at the time. It was it was an unusual thing that she knew was important. It was a big passion of hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also, you know, home ec also is 
cooking and cleaning and sewing and and things like that. And it's not like she eschewed those things. But she was like, you know, women are already in the home doing these things. So why don't I bring some science to it and talk about having sanitary conditions and organizing the household and raising a healthy family with science-based techniques? Right. Uh, Because, like I said, it was at at the time, and this is in the, you know, late, uh, I guess, uh, late 19th century, right? Yes. When she started out. Right at the turn, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, she has gotten some pushback over the years from feminists, but I think they got it wrong, you know? Oh, man. From what I saw, they got it really wrong. Any, and Like, if you criticize um, Ellen Richards as anti-feminist by creating home ec, it, f- it seems like you just haven't really dug in very deeply to research her because she was a proto-feminist to the first degree. Yeah, like, it would have been really easy at the time to say, as a, as a progressive, to say, well, you know, women ditch the household and get out there and try and take the man's job. But she she knew the reality of things, I think. And she wanted to uplift uh, what women were doing in the household instead of saying, no, ditch all that and leave it behind to go take a quote-unquote man's job. Mm-hmm. Like, what you're doing is important. And I want to uplift that and bring science to it. Well, and not only did, did was it important, she also realized that that was the reality of the situation, right? Like you, I think something like 97% of women at the time um, didn't go to college. They just, they, they got married and they became homemakers. So that's what she had to work with. So she was trying to, um, like you said, uplift women in that sense. Not necessarily because, you know, she was, she was saying, this is a woman's lot. It, it was, this is what we're working with, so I'm going to try to make it better. She also very strongly advocated for women to be college educated. She thought that that should just be standard practice. Um, and she actually set up a lab, a woman's lab uh, at MIT to teach chemistry to um, uh, young women who were coming into college. Um, and the lab was only open for a few years because from her efforts, MIT started to accept women into the general, the general population. It wasn't like a special track any longer. But she set up a lab to teach women chemistry, and she did it free. She didn't get any money from it, she, and she taught chemistry for years for, for no charge so that these um, young women could learn chemistry. Yeah, and, you know, despite all this, she's, um, I don't know about forgotten, but largely forgotten in, in history, especially in science, as a real pioneer uh, and validating the home economic movement and bringing women into more traditionally male fields of science. And, and she doesn't get nearly enough recognition. So uh, no, especially also, I mean, like she was the she was a pioneer in the uh, the concept and the study of water quality, and like that's that's huge. She she had a really deep and broad scientific career. So no, she definitely doesn't get her due. Yeah, like today she would be on the front lines in Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. in in newspapers and on TV shows, but back then she was discounted because it was uh, kitchen stuff. Yep. So. Hats off to Ellen Richards for being just a total top-notch scientist. Absolutely. And uh, if you want to know more about her, go check out this article on uh, How Stuff Works. How about that? Agreed. Uh, Well, that's short stuff. Send us an email if you like. Send it off to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Stuff Works.